Radio TFS episode 111. This is Greg Duncan, and uh, Martin's on vacation. Paul is Ubering home right now. Mickey is doing work. So it's just me and a guest, which is going to be awesome. But before I introduce him, I, I, I want to make a really brief comment about the last show. We played a voicemail message on the air from uh, uh, one of our listeners, and we got a communication back, an email which you can email us at radiotfs at outlook.com, wondering at our humor, wondering at how we were laughing and if we were laughing at the caller or, or, or what, and they didn't understand how why we were doing that. We were not. We would never laugh at any of our callers or, or, or any of you. The only people we ever laugh at um, are ourselves, or in this case, it was a technology fail. We were laughing at how horrible the the uh, voice-to-text translation was that happened on the voicemail. Never, never, never at the call. We really appreciate every single one of you guys listening, um, everybody who communicates to us. And, and if we gave the impression that we were laughing at the caller, I, I have to apologize for that. Enough of that. Let's get on with the show. Today, we have Wouter DeCourt, who is a principal Microsoft expert at Ordin- Ordina. Ordina? Yeah, Ordina. Ordina. He helps organize... <laughs> he helps organizations stay on the cutting edge of software development with the Microsoft stack. Water focuses on ALM, application lifecycle management stuff, and he loves solving complex problems and helping other developers grow. He authored the book DevOps on the Microsoft stack and is an ALM ranger. And we'll have all the links that you can get a hold of him uh, in the show notes in just a little bit. Wilder, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I, uh, how did we get you on the show? Who recommended you? Uh, it was Josh Garfrick. He was on, a, I think, two shows ago. And Josh and I were both ALM ranges, and he knew uh, what I was doing, so he recommended me. Awesome. Awesome. That, that's great. And, and yeah, I got that email from Josh, and it was all like, you should do this guy. It's like, oh, okay. Look at his stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, we should definitely. Josh was a little concerned about, you know, do we only do Microsoft employees or MVPs? Uh, we're, we were supposed to talk about this later in the show, but since I'm going off script already, uh, you're not an MVP yet? No, I'm not an MVP yet. I, I have been nominated, and now it's just patience. <laughs> I, I hope to be it one day, but I, I'm not an MVP yet. Been in your shoes, my friend. Been there, done that. And it's, 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 a, it's a weird waiting period, but you've been nominated. That's yes. the important yeah. thing, right? Good. Awesome. All right. Uh, let's talk about some news items uh, before we start grilling you and all the stuff that you're doing. Uh, big news is we've got – we had a uh, team services update. Brian Harry blogged about it, and he was very excited about some of the three top user voice things that got, that got solved in this release. Personally, there's a lot of other release items too, but the biggest one I thought was coolest was you can now change the work item type. And now remember, this is VSTS updates. Uh, yeah, you can change the work item type. That's awesome. And even more, this one only got like a couple lines. Work item move. Bulk or single, users may now move work items between team projects. And the work item ID remains the same. All the revisions and everything else uh, have, uh, go with that work item too. That's awesome. I, I've, I don't know about you, Walter, but I, I've you know done these monster team projects with multiple mm-hmm. uh actual projects inside of them because we wanted all the work items to be there and moving them between team projects was a pain. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole one project to rule them all. I mean, <laughs> yeah. those, those IDs come 
from, from these things that you, you can't move, you can't query, you can't share it, but now slowly they're getting it. Yeah, and that, that, is, that is a much needed move. Uh, we've talked about in the show on, on, on how I, I currently live in, in a Jira world and we may be moving to a version one world. And uh, after looking at those projects and, and those solutions – I can see how far VSTS has to go, but I can also see how quickly they're getting there. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the gap is, well, there is a gap, but if you see what they're releasing and the sprints they're now doing, I mean, a, a couple of shows ago, you, you had a show about the enormous sprint that just was released, but it feels like they're doing it over and over. <laughs> they absolutely are. Um, Willie P., also blogged about how the Kanban board are now live. There's a little, I think, a radio tower icon that if you click on that, uh, the page will auto-refresh. Yeah, and what I understood is it, it will refresh things like uh, moving tasks and moving uh, product back accounts and stuff like that. And if someone changes the Kanban board, for example, you add a column or whatever, you just get a message that says, hey, please refresh your board, and then you're in the, in the right layout. It's it's amazing how many like little things like that can so improve the experience. Yeah, definitely. I also like that if you if you move a work item between projects and you have different process templates, for example, that you can you can map while moving. So you can say, hey, this was maybe a product backlog item. It will become a user story. Wow, that is actually cool. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, what else? What else is exciting? A lot of release management stuff. Uh, is that release management stuff the kind of DevOps thing that uh, you're really interested in? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I'm doing a lot of release management. And, well, I mean, they're releasing a ton of features at, uh, features at the moment. And it's really cool to see. Good. Another thing that came across the features timeline, we've talked about the features timeline in the past. Uh, they're updating it every about every quarter. So you guys should, uh, if you're interested and want to see what's coming when, what's in VSTS, what's in TFS, what update of, of, of TFS, you, you got to go to there. They're talking about how they hit most of their timeframes. Uh, the Git SSH support took them a little bit longer than they expected. Um, yeah, but, but if, if you now check the timeline, you see that, that it's scheduled for the next update. So we, we will probably have it in update. What is it? Three for TFS. Yeah, that's what it looks like here. I had somebody just the other day asking me about that. And I was like, oh, no, because for our on-prem, no, you can't use it. Sorry. Uh, I was at a conference last week where I spoke on VSTS and someone asked, oh, when do we get release management on-premises? Then I said, it's just released. Update 2 has it. So that was a nice moment. But most of the time, it's a wait for a couple of months. I, I want to. I didn't have that in our notes. Remind me, well, I want to talk about what release management v next really is and how different it is. We've had people talk about release management in the past, but not as much VNext. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. VNext is, is way nicer. <laughs> uh, what else were we talking about? We talked about the cool features, the timelines. Again, we'll have the links in the show notes. Uh, if you're interested and want to know what's coming when, uh, what was released when, <laughs> we were mentioning how fast, you mentioned how fast the releases were coming. Yeah, you just have to go to this timeline page and look at the current features section and just scroll through. It's like every three weeks, there's a, uh, just an official boatload of, ta of stuff released. And it's like the list is getting longer. The released stuff mm -hmm. is getting you know higher and higher. More and more items are released each release. I mean, if I, I have a couple of customers who are on TFS 2010, 2012, and they ask, hey, what do, <laughs> what do I get if I upgrade to 2015 or to, if I go to VSTS? Yeah, I mean, I, I just copy... <laughs> paste the whole page and that's it but it, 
it's a, re- a really long list. Yeah, I have to. We're on uh, 2013 update two here in house. I have to now that update 2015 update two is out. I definitely have to schedule our upgrade. <sighs> Something else I just came across my desk today. This has nothing to do with VSTS, TFS, or anything else, but it's something I bet you everybody who lives in Visual Studio can use. It's the Microsoft Visual Studio 2015 Shortcuts Classroom Poster. It's an awesome poster of just a series of code snippets, shortcuts, keyboard commands, of, of stuff that you always forget. Like I never remember how to vertically select stuff. Is it control? Is it alt? Is it shift alt control? No, it's just alt and then highlight quick poster. If you, you can download it and print it the three foot by two foot poster, or obviously uh, do a smaller one. Yeah, it's, it's quite nice. I, I sometimes I think, I mean, especially when presenting at conferences or something and you use all the, all, all the shortcuts and you use only your keyboard and not the mouse, then people sometimes are, whoa, what are you going fast? But it's just <laughs> using these types, these kind of things, and that's it. I mean, it's no magic or something. Ed Blankenship recently posted uh, some information about the partner extensions. You know, Visual Studio Team System Marketplace is growing. We, we were just talking about that. God, that, that was only released when? Um, the Marketplace, I think it was released at the Connect event last year. Was it? That was the first moment that the extensions um, went in public preview, I thought. I thought, yeah, I, know. I, thought, I thought it was private before that. Yeah, it's, uh, it has not been that long since we've yeah. had that. Um, and now with TFS 2015 Update 2, we've got extensions on-prem, which is another reason why I definitely want to get this thing installed locally. Uh, one of the things that that, that uh, struck me as interesting is the launch darkly. I talked to these guys at Build because I had no idea what they did. And uh, they're a service that does feature flags. Uh, they make doing feature flags easy. And uh, I, I've since since I've seen the the uh, dev dev start that you know feature flags behavior and then exposing features for certain people in you know certain rings and I, I've been just drawn to it. But the thought of coding all that myself was just icky. So uh, uh, seeing that there is not only a product that you can buy but an extension into VSTS for feature flags, I thought was awesome. Yeah, and I, I think what's cool, I mean, uh, if, if I understand it correctly, it's it's a software as a service, isn't it? It's not something yes. that you have to host yourself or that you just uh, download a NuGet package or something. They do it all for you, and it just works. It, it, it looks really nice. What else do they talk about? Oh, Redgate. Of course, they talked about the Redgate Ready Roll. It's also now in VSTS. Uh, uh, Redgate. Gotta love Redgate. <laughs> the next one, the, the next uh, Aaron um, Hallberg blogged about this one. Uh, uh, there is some confusion. I saw some of my, our mailing lists. Uh, when you want to get the update for, um, like, when I get update two, T- uh, TFS 2015 update two, and you go to run it, the word trial is there. Uh, and that is just, I guess, would be very, very confusing. So if you are about to update TFS uh, or apply TFS 2015 update two. read this blog post. It, it will help uh, um, remove any concern about the word trial that you'll see in the dialogues. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I would have freaked too. It's like, what? Trial? No, 
if you're upgrading a production server, don't worry about it. Yeah, as, as far as I understood what I mean, mean with it, it's just it's a trial in the sense that you don't have to think about licensing. And if the trial ends, your project just continues working, but then you have to have to correct licenses. Yeah, yeah. Which I've always, I, I've always liked that about TFS, that it's not, uh, the licensing isn't hard. You know what I mean? You don't have to worry about a lot of keys or, or, or anything else. You know, it's basically honor system, honor role to uh, make sure that you uh, keep within the licensing. Um, that's made my life as the uh, TFS admin a lot easier. Yeah, I can understand. Now, let's talk, Water, let's talk about some of the stuff that you've been involved. When we were setting up, I was, uh, um, prepping for the show and you know we had you scheduled all of a sudden i start seeing these posts a lot of them on the alm ranger blog uh, it's like wilder uh, de court did this wilder de court did that wilder de court did this it's like wow yeah uh, so i have to thank <laughs> willie for that willie is one of my biggest supporters i think and he's, he's doing a lot of blog posts and suddenly i can, i see my name everywhere yeah <laughs> <laughs> And Mateus and uh, and other people he's blogging about, but yeah, I just found it's like as soon as I, I saw your name once, we set you up on the show. Now, yeah, like you said, they're, you're showing up everywhere. So, uh, uh, tell me about some of these uh, posts and things. Yeah, and the posts were mostly about um, as Alien Ranches, we are building a lot of extensions for Visual Studio Team Services. So there were some updates to extensions like uh, the, the folder management extension, uh, file owner extension was released at Able One worked on and I helped him a bit. And what we're also doing, because we have a lot of extensions as the whole of the ALM ranges, is setting up a DevOps pipeline for them. So we are investigating how we can completely automate continuous integration and continuous deployment for the extensions and just have the manual approvement steps in place for, okay, we now go to the public marketplace and, for example, Willy or Anisha need to sign off on it. So that was some of the posts that Willy blocked about the last couple of weeks. Um, when you guys figure out that DevOps pipeline, uh, are you going to, is that going to be a artifact released by the ALM Rangers? Um, well, we're, we're working with a product group on building some extensions that we can use. For example, a, a package extension and a public extension publish for a release management and build. And when we have everything working, we will do an MSCI Magazine article on it. Good, great. So we'll, I'm, I'm now working on the, the checklist, the journal. For, hey, if you want to impl implement this, you have to do this and, and that. And that will be an MSCI Magazine article. Great, great. I love that about the ALM range. And some of the extensions are open sourced. So you can already... Few the code. I mean, not the, the DevOps pipeline because that lives in our VSTS account, but the code and everything we're doing to get it working, that's open on GitHub. So uh, Willie blogged about uh, the, the folder management and they, they had an extension debit. Mm -hmm. uh, you were like, what is it like debugging and solving these problems? How hard is it? Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm a, a Microsoft developer, .NET. I've, I've done ASP.NET, so I know some HTML and CSS, but now suddenly those extensions are completely JavaScript. So we've moved to a TypeScript world. I've started using things like NPM and Grunt and Gulp and Bower and whatever they, they call it. I mean, the names are great, but when, that, that takes some time. I mean, you, need, you do need to make the move to, for example, Visual Studio Code. I mm -hmm. haven't used it that much, but now with extensions, it's really easy to use Visual Studio Code. You don't have a solution or a project. You just open up a folder and you, you can start working on it. What's cool is um, they've built quite an intelligent system in the, in the framework that if you run your extension locally, so you just have 
um, a local web server IIS with an uh, HTTPS certificate, mm -hmm. then you can debug locally. So you go to youraccount.fizzlestudio.com and when um, the framework loads your extension, it loads it from your own hard drive, from your own development. Wow. That's really handy. So you can, the only thing you, you have to do is upload your extension, your package, which is, which is your manifest. And in the manifest, you say, oh, but um, all my files are hosted on this URL and that's just local. Oh, got it. And from got that it. moment on, you can iterate really quickly. And when you're done, you remove the local host base URI and you just package everything into the V6 and you publish it. Huh. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't really imagine. Yeah, I could imagine trying to debug it on on the server. No, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I mean the only thing where you, when you need to update the server is when you make manifest changes. So changes like I add a completely new extension point, for example, or a new extension, or uh, I add some new files that need to be included in the package. That's the only time you change the manifest. And when you're done developing, you just package and publish. That's great. How, as a .NET developer myself, who basically I, right now I'm living in you know desktop WPF app uh, world, how hard was it to move over to the TypeScript grunt NPN world <laughs> for you? Um, yeah, I'm not a real desktop developer, so I already was doing a lot of web development. Uh, so I knew some JavaScript. I've I've played with TypeScript before, and then the move to the extension for me was mostly learning the new packages like npm package manager and stuff like that. How does it work? Mm -hmm. What's the idea? But there are some great extensions also built by Microsoft which are open source, and if you use them as a template. And uh, speaking about templates, Josh Garfrick he created. Right. Um, uh, an extension for Visual Studio, a project template extension. So you can say file new project and then Visual Studio Team Services extension and you get a minimal skeleton that you can just deploy as a Hello World extension. That's really easy to get started with. And you know, okay, I have a working extension and you just start modifying it. Awesome. So yeah, it, it took some time. I mean, uh, for example, the JavaScript stuff, yeah, things like promises, uh, mm -hmm. having, having to do with one thread but being asynchronous. Or, for example, um, we just built a couple of new build and release management tasks, which are also extensions, but running them locally requires setting up a node server. So I, I downloaded the Node.js tools for the first time in my life and figured out how to do it, and then I built the extension locally, published it, and it worked. So it was not really hard, but there are a lot of new things. Mm -hmm. So let's now that we've covered the news, let's talk about you. Let's let's that's all it's all about you, Wouter. Um, <laughs> okay. So what is it? What what do you do? What is your day job? Uh, my day job is um, yeah. What did the abstract say? I'm the principal expert Microsoft. Yeah. What what I do is um, I work at Ordino. We're a company of around three thousand people, where we have four hundred software developers, and we're all in um, consulting. So I, I lead in the Microsoft consulting team where we do a lot of ALM and Azure and regular.net. And I focus on, on, the, on the ALM space. So what I do is I visit customers to explain to them how uh, uh, just give a demo of VSCS and show them, well, this is Walhalla. And if we help you, we can get you to that. And I just work with the individuals and the individual teams to train them and make sure that we can deliver the work. How are, are, are you being kept busy? Are people excited about VSTS that, that you're... Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I started to, yeah, two years ago at this company to start a new ALM unit. Uh -huh. And what we're seeing is that, yeah, it's, it's growing quite fast. People are really enthusiastic. Also customers. I mean, we're not calling it ALM. We're calling it DevOps because, well, it sounds better with the customers and they, they hear it more often. Uh -huh. and what still surprises me the most is, yes, people are using TFS or some other ALM uh, product, but they only view it as source control. 
And if you're lucky, well, maybe they have a, a continuous integration build server, but that's it. So things like test management, release management, package management, which is new now, they just never heard of it. And when you introduce it to them and you show them, well, this is possible. And if we help you move from your process to a DevOps process, you can use all these tools and things will be better. And yeah, that's, that's just an awesome job to do. <laughs> So one thing I like to ask people, because uh, I, I just find this an interesting thing, what gets you up in the morning? What what makes you jump out of bed and say, God, I am so excited <laughs> just to start the day? What 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 is it for you? Uh, for me, I think it's learning new stuff. I mean, I, re I, 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 I love to read, learn new stuff, read blog posts, experiment with new things, and learning something new and then being able to help someone else. So through training or consultancy or whatever, or just sitting together and doing some pair programming, learning something new, and then passing it on. <laughs> and we're in the right field for that, aren't we? Absolutely. I, I saw something, on, I thought on Twitter, that apparently every two years, 50% of the knowledge of a programmer um, already is, um, how do you say it? Old, not, <laughs> not relevant anymore. So every yeah. four years, we are completely replaced. <laughs> <laughs> and that I don't know about you, man, but that sure makes me feel old. You know, sometimes my brain just gets full. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then and then I understand why companies can't keep up. I mean, uh -huh. things are growing so fast. Uh, yeah, I, I have the, the privilege that it's my job to read the news <laughs> and, and, to, and to follow everything and then distribute it. But if you're just in your day job, yeah, it's it's hard to stay up to date. So I, I have to ask. This, this is we're going off script again, as you know, I like to do. Uh, the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. What's it like? Being, what are the, I, I don't know if I've ever met anybody from the Netherlands or, you know, uh, what's it like being a Microsoft guy there in the Netherlands? <laughs> being a Microsoft guy in the Netherlands, yeah. It, I, I don't know if, if it's really different from other countries, but uh -huh. um, what I see is that we, in the Netherlands, we have a lot of Java developers or, or at least a lot of Java programs. So, for example, financial institutions and stuff like that, they do a lot of Java. So, <laughs> .NET Sometimes it's still viewed as, as relatively new, hmm. although it's already, what is it, 12, 13 years old. Yeah. People still view it as, as, as a new technology, and it still has to prove itself, but it, it really depends on the customer. We, we have, uh, if, if I look at Ordina, we have um, yeah, an equal number of Java and .NET developers. So the market is about the same size, I think. And um, yeah, how, how's it be to be a Microsoft developer? Yeah, I love it. And uh, I think the, yeah, that's the same for the whole of Netherlands. It's not really... A problem if you had uh, the type of background you have or what you do or your Microsoft or Java. It's just um, we see that a lot of things are slowly getting older mm -hmm. and we need to help them to stay up to date and to grow and to fix their problems. Does, you know, since I'm, I'm you know, an American, mm -hmm. live here in the States, it seems like, you know, it, our space seems very Anglo-centric. Mm -hmm. you know, does that make you crazy does it does it even affect you does it you know because all the microsoft stuff is always you know released 9 a.m pacific mm -hmm. uh living yeah you know, across i mean the, the build keynotes for example uh -huh. in uh, in my local time they started now right now at uh, a half past five in the evening so sometimes it's hard i mean most of my meetings with the alm ranges are 5 p.m 6 p.m and sometimes even later in in the afternoon mm -hmm. And then for them, it's 8 a.m. They're just get, getting started. <laughs> so that's why you want to do the, our show today at yeah. uh, 
8 a.m. my time. 8 a.m. your time is 5 p.m. my, my time. So I'm still, uh, we will be finished before, before dinner. <laughs> yeah, he didn't want to do it at our normal noon Pacific. I don't understand why. That's Four why. hours I'm late, in another 9 time o'clock. Zone. Yeah. <laughs> totally different time zone. Yeah. And um, regarding the English, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not my native language, so sometimes it just makes it hard. For example, the book I'm now working on, on DevOps on the Microsoft stack, I have to write it in English. And things like, um, yeah, what kind of mistakes have I made? Well, a lot. But uh, the difference between true, and, I, and I'm not sure if I say it correctly, and, and trough. So a thing, a pig goes and eats. Uh-huh. Uh, right. And, and, to, and the, the verb going through something. I mean, it's one character difference, <laughs> but I didn't know that. So apparently... In some of my blog, my, my earlier blog posts and some of my earlier books, I constantly talked about pigs. <laughs> Until an editor says, and, and he explained to me what the difference was, and I thought, oh, I'm just... <laughs> or difference between um, drinking a beer and being uh-huh. chased by a bear. <laughs> I've, I've, yeah, I've made a mistake sometimes to switch those. So you were being chased, yeah, I, I don't know, by... Um, with with feet or something, and yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's been times where I've been chased by a beer, so that's, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, well, I, I gotta tell you, just in chatting with you, it's it's hard to tell that English is not your native language. You have an accent, obviously, mm-hmm. but everybody has an accent, one point or another. But no, you're coming across great. So uh, yeah, but I, I try to invest in it. For example, if we look television. We try mm-hmm. to do it without subtitles, just because I yeah I have to read and speak so much English that I it's it's a part of my daily routine to practice it. And does that make you crazy? The fact that you can't do the stuff in your you know uh, you're born with language. Yeah, yeah. Language. Uh, no, it doesn't make me crazy. I mean, sometimes it's. I mean, I was pretty nervous for this interview just because it is in English. Mm-hmm. I need to switch and I need to make sure that uh, I know the words and whatever. And just giving a, a presentation in Dutch is way uh-huh. easier. Sometimes my slides are still in English because some words you can't translate uh-huh. or you don't want to translate them because it, nobody understands what you're doing. So uh, sometimes my, my slides are in English and I speak in Dutch and then everything goes okay. But yeah, doing something in English is always, it, it takes more preparation. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I, I, you know, I'm, I only speak English and uh just the thought of trying to come, especially something as technical as as, as this field. Uh, yeah, that's got to be tough. And and again, you're come, you're you're doing great, man. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah, but I mean, um, technical English is easier for me than having a regular chat. So for <laughs> example, I mean, if I if I need to send you an email with, hey, can you check out um, my latest pull request and blah blah blah, that's easier uh-huh. than asking how you're doing and if you're sick or whatever. Because those are the conversations I normally don't have in, in my job. So having an, a normal conversation with someone in English is harder than having a technical conversation. So let's – I definitely want to talk about uh, your book. Um, but first, you know, since you're an ALM Ranger, uh, tell me about talk, – talk to me about it. what's it like being an ALM Ranger? It's great. Yeah, it's, it's really uh, – I think I'm now an ALM Ranger for about two or three years. Uh-huh. And when I started, I mean, I knew something about it. For example, things like the uh, Branching and Merging Guide, which is now right. the, the version Control Guide, or the TFS Planning Guide. Those were known to me, and, and I used them in the field. And then I met one of our, the local MVPs here in the Netherlands, who is also an ALM Ranger, Hassan Fadili. Mm-hmm. And he introduced me to the ALM Rangers, and I got accepted. And, I mean, it's, it's a community 
with both Microsoft people and non-Microsoft people, and a lot of the non-Microsoft are MVP or something like that. And there is just there is so much knowledge in the ALM ranges, and um, the chats you have, the insights you gain because you get in contact with a product group, you know about things that are in preview that are coming, and you're, you're asked to test them or work with them or uh, create guidance or something. Yeah, that's at least for me, that's great being an ALM ranger. Mm-hmm. What would you? Uh, um, what advice would you give to other people who want to be an ALM ranger? Um, yeah, the ALM rangers are uh, nominated, so you need to know someone who is an ALM ranger, and you can just you you can find us on the internet. There is an index page where all the ALM rangers are listed, and it's easiest if you find someone who you know. Maybe you can meet them in your country or something, and you just ask them to nominate you. And the nomination process is just we have a couple of ALM ranges. It's a rotating group who look at the nominations, and they just Google your name, and they check, hey, what are you doing? What are your interests? Do you have an online presence? Because that, that's quite important. It helps if you have a blog or other social media things. And if you speak at conferences and stuff like that, it helps to become an ALM ranger. But the most important step is find someone and ask them to nominate you. Awesome. So let's talk about your book, DevOps on the Microsoft Stack. Mm-hmm. Tell me, uh, what's what's the book about? That's kind of a stupid <laughs> question. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the book about? The book is about um, uh, Visual Studio, Visual Studio Team Services in Azure with the uh, mm-hmm. With a focus on VSTS, but for example, there's also a chapter on technical debt management where I show how you can build a ROSIN analyzer and integrate it with a continuous integration build. So there is some, there is not much code in the book, but some things, uh, especially for technical debt management or unit testing or th- things like that, are covered. And um, the book is mostly about how do you get started because the space is so huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, people who are unfamiliar with VSTS, it's it's an enormous product. So I. I Take them through the yeah the typical DevOps practices, how to build, measure, learn, and how do you plan, how do you do your agile work when you're in a DevOps process, and then how can you use the tooling that VSCS has to offer. And I try to focus not only on um, tooling, but also mm-hmm. on the, the people and process part. So how do you get someone interested in sitting next to you, with you to create a PowerShell script, for example, if, if he's from the operations team? How do you get... Um, how you say it, uh, break down the silos. Right. And if you look at the process, why is it a good idea to switch to Kanban and use that to monitor your work in progress and stuff like that? Yeah, that was, I was about to ask you that question on it. DevOps, the technology side, is getting fairly well baked. But I, I've always found it's the social, it's the organizational. It's talking to that, breaking down that silo, exactly like you said, you know, getting the IT guys mm-hmm. um, you know, out, out, out of their office and or getting you know access to their office, getting everybody together and getting their buy-in on that. So you talk about that in the book. Yeah. And I mean, it, it is a technical book. So the focus isn't totally on the process and the people, but it is a real problem. It's something you will face. So for example, um, explaining Azure the first time to someone and convincing your boss that hosting your code in, in the US or something isn't terrible because from Europe, we get a lot of questions around security. That's things like the Patriot Act, for example, is something well, almost every customer I speak with about VSCS or Azure asks me about Patriot Act and security. Yeah, that makes sense. We don't, uh, VSTS is, we're still only in the one data center here, right? No. We don't. We're also in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Really? Yeah. When did that, is that, that, is that recent? That's recent, right? I'm not sure how long. I, I, it's not really recent, recent anymore. It's, it's already, oh. yeah, <laughs> already quite some time. And I thought that in one of the blog posts you mentioned, 
by Brian Harry, he also mentioned that we'll be moving to, oh man, what did he say? Well, two other countries. Uh, so we are expanding. Right. And so for, for, you, for the Netherlands, it's easy. I, I can just say, yeah, well, the data, data center is here around the corner. So probably <laughs> I think things will be okay. If, uh -huh. if the data center gets destroyed by a natural disaster, yeah, then we're also destroyed. So uh, it's no problem. <laughs> Uh, release management v next. Supposed yeah. to talk to you about that. Uh, um, so it's a v two of the old release management, or is it a complete like rewrite rethink? I, th I see it as a complete re rewrite rethink. Yeah, because the old release management was based on the um, the WPF client that you use to create your release definitions, and it, it, it was some kind of um, XAML. Windows Workflow Foundation stuff, and the new one is completely web-based. And Dave, I mean, see some of the concepts have a mapping. For example, in the old release management, you had components. In the new release management, you have artifacts. Those are the same; they just have a different name. But the whole process and how you use it has, has changed a lot. And what I what I mostly like about it, because one of the problems I had with the older one was especially things like cross-domain. Uh, deploying your code on-premises when your TFS server was in Azure or something, those things are all fixed. They just now use the same agents as for the build system, the, the, the build Phoenix system. It's a Node.js agent. It's cross-platform. It just works. And they're now also using that for release management. So that, that makes things a lot easier. It also explains why they moved to a web interface because that's automatically cross-platform. Cross Everyone can, can use the web. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. We're going to have to do a show just on release management. It's been a long time. Yes, uh, we are. It's, it's cool. I mean, release management is a huge product. But also, if you see the announcement, they, they just announced what they're going to do in the future. And then they're talking about deploying to multiple machines and doing it in a, a A-B testing way and stuff like that. I mean, they now have, at least as how I view it, a solid foundation. Release management mm -hmm. is now released. It's a part of update two. You can use it, and it just works. And now they're going to add the, yeah, the, the new and shiny stuff. <laughs> How hard is it to get started with release management v next? Is it I obviously depends on the project you're deploying and all that good mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But to do a proof of concept, yeah, proof is of, it, I mean, I think the easiest and that's mostly the demo that, that I use to explain it. I can mm -hmm. do a demo of 10 minutes where I go from nothing to a Visual Studio Team Service project, Git repository, ASP.NET web project, continuous integration build and continuous deployment. That takes nice. about 10 minutes to just click it together, and what you then have is uh, automatic deployment of your web application with, without a database, I, ha I have to be honest, to Azure. That can, that can be done in 10, 15 minutes. Wow. I mean, extending it to your own application, it really depends on where you're deploying. If you're deploying to Azure, you can use things like the Azure Resource Manager, right? the templates, the ARM templates, where you describe your environment, where you say, hey, I have a web app, I have a service bus, I have a database, and stuff like that. That's really easy if you do it on-premises. Um, or, or on Azure Infrastructure Service, you can use PowerShell scripts and maybe PowerShell Desired State Configuration or regular scripts. So if you have your application now and you can write a PowerShell script that installs it, you can just fire up release management and say, use my script and you're done. That's wow. really easy. So anything that can be done in PowerShell can be done in release management. Anything that's on Azure is even easier. Hmm. And that the release management v next. It came to us in TFS 2015 update two. Yes. Wow. So the, the, if, if you look at VSTS, the, the preview asterisk mm -hmm. next to the name, it's gone. Mm. So it's now officially supported. It's been, it's been released. And I, I haven't done the upgrade to TFS uh, 2015-2 myself, but I think if you do it on-premises and you then connect with the old WPF client, you get a message that it's updated and you now need to go to the web interface, something like that. So there is some part of a... Uh, you now move from this to the next one. 
Cool. Well, we're coming to towards the end of the show. Um, is there anything else? Is is there anything else uh, you'd like to say? Anything I forgot to ask? Yeah, one thing that I just thought about is it was you asked, "Hey, um, how do I become a ranger?" Mm-hmm. We're currently investigating what kinds of ranger persona we want to have in the future, and we're now also specifically looking for people with a mobile experience, Xamarin, cross-platform experience, and stuff like that, So, and Azure experience. So the ALM rangers, yes, we are about ALM, we are about DevOps, but if you're an, an Azure expert and you just want to, to help and learn more about Azure, you're also welcome to apply as an ALM ranger. Great. And we'll have the link uh, to do that in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do. Well, you know what? Um, I've got one question from a listener that we've been kind of it's uh, Mr. Um, Yalrun Yasin was asking about the CodePlex and we've mentioned this a couple of times. I was supposed to ask Brian Harry about it, but, but we ran out of time. Uh, Yalrun, the, the long and short story of CodePlex is basically it's in a long-term servicing mode. Uh, based off the information, and this was accurate as of last year and it hasn't changed uh, you know, CodePlex is what it is, and there's not going to be major investment in it. At least that's what I am seeing. And that's what I'm being told. Okay, obviously I don't work at Microsoft, so I can't give you the thing. But from what I've been, you know, told on it, it is what it is. Uh, the future is VSTS, and I know they are working on uh, public repos on VSTS, and that's what the real future is going to be. So, uh, you know, I, I. Loved CodePlex at the time. I still have projects hosted there on it. But uh, yeah, if it stays, you know, it, it's it's time has come and gone. <laughs> Wilder, did you ever use CodePlex? Yeah, because some ALM Ranger projects are, are hosted on CodePlex. And we're, we're moving off. I mean, we are moving to Git, but just mm-hmm. some, um, some guidance, especially it's like the branching emerging guide and stuff like that. You can download the PDFs and the zip files and whatever from CodePlex. It makes me sad that kind of CodePlex came and went, you know? Yeah. It had such a future at the time. Yes, it had. But but if we get public repos on VSTS and we can just yeah. migrate our CodePlex stuff to it, then, yeah. That's Wouldn't it. that be awesome? Yeah. That, and, then, that, and then we're done. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. And I would much rather have the team invest time in that mm-hmm. than trying to retrofit and, and you know, bring CodePlex up to date. Yeah. At, at this point, CodePlex would have to be rewritten to it's it does what it did and it did what it did and but the future is definitely vsts absolutely all right roger well again thank you very much for being on the show i really appreciate it you know uh paul and mickey you guys missed out martin i hope you're having a good vacation uh we'll have links to all the information in the show notes um if you guys want to get a hold of us email us at radio tfs at outlook.com twitter at radio tfs facebook's slash Radio TFS. Give us a voicemail, and I, and I promise I won't. We'll never laugh at you. Uh, and yeah, if you want to, sh- <laughs> if I've butchered your name on the show, which I have, if you know your name isn't like Bob or something, I'm sure I've butchered it. Uh, send us a voicemail, and we'll play it on the air, and you know we'll sh- share it with the world how to really pronounce your name. Phone number is one four two five two three three eight three seven nine. And again, Water, thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. And uh, thanks for being here for Radio TFS. Radio TFS.